Hey, I'm Teague. And I'm Sam. And we're your well-informed girlfriends. Bringing you today's news, gossip, and unsolicited hot takes. I don't need to know. As long as I'm with you. So this week was literally the longest week of our lives, maybe ever, starting with the tax returns and ending with a surprise coronavirus parade outside the hospital Donald Trump is staying at. Plus, we're explaining what happens if Trump were to die before, during, or after the election. Really juicy stuff this week, let me tell you. I know. Sorry, you guys, but on the upside, uh, we're still oh. in the middle of a pandemic. Wait, do you have an upside? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> That's the best upside I could think of. <laughs> um, well, we can't say we didn't see this coming. You know, Donald Trump has coronavirus. Um, the latest on that, just so you guys are all aware, his medical team said on Sunday his condition's improving after multiple, quote, episodes over the weekend. They said he's on steroid therapy, which is usually for more severe cases. And all that kind of came as Donald Trump tried to portray himself as perfectly fine despite this disease. He was posting pictures of himself working in the hospital, a few different videos where he said he was doing well. All righty. So this is happening. You know, also like Sam, and I hate to be that person. Be that person. <laughs> but, you know, I'm I'm and I hate to be the person who's talking about conspiracies. But oh God. when this I hate it, I'm not this is not true or anything or, you know, this is not there's no evidence here. But I just when I saw the story, I just thought it was a little bit fishy. Be, that he was the one that released it. Like, I'm like, if he were, if he's the one releasing the news, I always have to just, like, do a double take and be like, is this all true and accurate? Um, Sam, did you ever question if he were actually positive? Honestly, okay, so I was working when it happened. Well, I actually technically was off the clock, but I was still working. Uh-huh. And um, I saw the tweet. Interestingly, I never thought I would say this, but I'm actually grateful to, like, this ex-boyfriend of mine who texted me in all capital letters, like, the second it happened. Um <laughs> Never thought we'd be thankful for ex-boyfriends, but 2020, what a curveball. Anyway, <laughs> um, and I leapt out of my seat to run back to my computer because I had turned it off like 30 seconds before. And um, I opened up his Twitter account and I was like, wow, I can't believe it. But also parentheses, I could totally believe it. But then I waited a minute and we actually on NBC side verified with the White House that it was real. But but have we seen any tests? Like, is it really real, or is this some sort I mean, of like, thing I'm, to distract us from the next thing? That's a great question. Um, I think at some point we have to just take it at face value. Like he's clearly in the hospital. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. We know that he is there, um, and doctors say that they are treating him with a multitude of things. They're sort of throwing the coronavirus treatment plan kitchen sink at him. So, I mean, I I don't know what the incentive would be to lie other than to get us to move on from the tax returns. That being said, we're going to talk about the tax returns. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week because we didn't do an app. But I do think it is an interesting story um, and something that people are still talking about and haven't certainly forgotten, um, even though it does feel like that was like five years ago that we learned it. And it was just last week. Yeah, it was literally Sunday. <laughs> it was one week ago, you guys. It's been the longest week ever. Truly. Um Okay, well, we'll talk about the tax returns now, I guess. But yeah. if you've been living under a rock or burying your head in the sand, TBH, we I get, get it. it. <laughs> Wish we could also. Um, 
Anyways, the New York Times on Sunday released like a big ass report with years of Trump's income and tax returns. So here are what we think should be your top three takeaways. Just because we like have a feeling you're not going to read it. Or if you have more power to you. We also <laughs> read it. Here are the takeaways. One, his business empire has generated hundreds of millions of dollars in losses that allowed him to reduce that income tax liability to zero for like 10 of the last 15 years. And then in 2016, the year he won the election, he paid $750. And in 2017, his first year in the White House, he also paid $750. So I here's the deal. Just really quickly on this. Like quickly. I pay more in taxes. Like Same. I like are we and I'm broke as a joke. Are you kidding? <laughs> Anyways, I continue. think that's a lot of people's main qualms. And I, on the day it came out on Twitter, there were all sorts of tweets. People were like, I'm a, I work at McDonald's and I paid more in taxes, which is true. Like pretty much everyone pays more in taxes than that. So anyways, OK, takeaway number two, Trump has hundreds of millions of dollars in outstanding debts coming due over the next couple of years. And those are debts that he has personally guaranteed. So he's on the hook for like millions of dollars. And then the last thing is that there were some questionable practices in Trump land, like paying Ivanka, who is technically an employee of his company, as an outside consultant. And then he deducted those expenses of her salary as a cost of doing business, which is kind of like what? Also, it's like family money. And anyways, so that is those are the three takeaways. What are your thoughts, Teague? I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's slightly upsetting. And and uh, here's the deal. You know, obviously, there are going to be people on his side that support him and say, look, you know, he makes a lot of money and he knows how to do the tax code. He knows the tax code and he knows how to, you know, you're silly if you don't, you know, essentially what I'm hearing is you're silly if you don't cheat on your taxes. I'm like, dude, because we play by the rules. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was cool to just like do tax fraud. If it is, let me know. Give me a book for dummies. I'd love to do it. I don't want to pay taxes. I'm Who does? I'm honest that I hired a tax person after this because I was like, I pay so much more in taxes right. than that. And I don't make nearly <laughs> What he makes, I must be doing something wrong. So I will admit that I hired a tax person. Which, I mean, I think is smart. But but at the same time, you can't like, you know, you also have to justify like, I am fine paying taxes if I know it's going toward the roads or if it's going toward the military or if it's going toward, you know, my community. I'm I'm fine and I can justify that. And I, mm-hmm. am, I want that because that's what makes the world go around. And that's, I guess, the system we've come up with. So whatever. I, I thought we were all paying into it. So I wasn't upset. But when you hear stories like this, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Dude, come on. That doesn't make any sense. Well, and this might be a little biased. So this is my personal opinion, everyone. But. There are all sorts of reports about how much money Donald Trump has spent and has poured into his resorts that he visits on weekends because he stays there. His Secret Service stays there, blah, blah, blah. He golfs all the time. And we pay for it. And basically we're paying for it. And it's like kind of annoying me because not only is Donald Trump collecting, I mean, allegedly he gets a salary as being president, which he then donates to whatever. Um, But also, I mean, like, those are our tax dollars. So that does kind of annoy me, if we're being honest. I totally think that that's accurate. And also, I feel like, you know, especially going into the election, like, it's it would be really hard for me to believe that that doesn't annoy other people in the same way. I think that that is one of those things that you're like, wait a second. And we've been waiting for these tax, you know, tax reports to come out for, what, four years, five years? So it is nice to finally have some closure on it a little bit. It is. It is nice. And, I mean, it's interesting because 
none of it was anything we didn't expect. Right. Right. Like realistically, I think just about everyone knew that there was a reason he was in court protecting. He always says President Trump always says that the reason he's not releasing his tax returns are because he's under audit by the IRS. He is under audit by the IRS, by the way. He received like tens of millions of dollars in a refund that is now under question. He's on the hook for that money, possibly if he is found to have claimed things that he shouldn't have. It could be upwards of a hundred thousand. I'm sorry, a hundred million dollars that he has to pay back when he leaves office. That being if the IRS so finds that to be true. Um, that being said, you know, it wasn't anything, nothing was in those documents. I'm sorry. Nothing was in that article that we read that entirely shocked me. Um, right. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of role that plays. And it's, it was so crazy that, I mean, like, it's crazy to think that the debate was this week. I didn't even put that in our rundown, but I guess we could talk about the debate. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember that? I oh, remember geez. the TBT, the debate that was also this week, um, which was just bananas. And Biden asked him about it, and he said that he pays millions of dollars in taxes, but he didn't offer really any documentation, doesn't have any. I mean, it's just. Oh, and if know. that's the case, again, just show us, dude. If you I just know. show us, then we can all drop it. But if you if you don't, then obviously people are going to just keep asking. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's bizarro. The debate was interesting to me. Sam, what did you think? Oh, my God. Interesting. It was maybe the worst thing I've ever witnessed. Yeah, it was just more so sad for me. I was like, this isn't fair for anybody. This, I, this Yeah, just, I was depressed. Yeah, it made me really upset. I had to turn it off a few times and like fully walk away. <laughs> I was I was working yet again. I work nights in case that wasn't evident by the timeline <laughs> of everything I've been saying. Um, and I was watching with another person in New York and both of us were just like, what is happening like we're just sitting there and I mean we had gone into it and we had known I mean NBC had known someone who told us that that was kind of going to be Trump's strategy was just like bulldoze yeah to bulldoze but I was not really anticipating that absolute like lack of decency honestly between both parties but mostly on the right side um I was just I was sad for democracy because I think it kind of shows where we are as a country. And that's what really struck me. It was so emblematic of where we are as a country and the deep divide, the deep partisan divide that we're at and like the absolute inability we have to have a robust Just, debate together. Right. You know? And that and that's what's so upsetting is like, here's the deal. All that we really need to hear in these debates are policies. And that's, I know it sounds lame and boring and maybe that's like not primetime television and maybe that's not how you get people to talk about it the next day. But I think the voters who especially, which it seems hard to believe, but apparently some people are still undecided on how they're going to vote. So I think it's important for those people to get some closure and watch these debates and be like, well, this is what I do care about. And this is where I want my money to go. And this is where I want my taxes to go. And all those things, I think those are important things. That's why people, that's why debates exist. Debates don't exist for, you know, for entertainment, which is what it felt like it became. And it was kind of just upsetting. So, I mean, I heard a few policy things from Biden and uh, maybe a few, like, few things from Trump. But overall, it was just hard to hear both of them just in general. Um, So, yeah, it was upsetting to me. But I wonder if we'll see more now, especially now that, you know, Now that the backlash has been so... Yeah, and also now if he's in, you know, if he's quote-unquote has coronavirus. I'm sorry, I don't mean to put it in quotes. I'm just a conspiracy theorist now. But I just like, you know, I don't know. Is there a reason he doesn't want to do debates anymore? I don't know. I have no idea, but we'll see. 
if they even debate any, again. But I am excited to see Kamala and Pence. That's yeah, exciting. so Kamala and Pence are coming up this week, this coming week. So. so also stemming from the debate, a lot of people were upset, especially on the Democratic side, that they hadn't been contacted at all about possible exposure to President Trump and or others on his staff. As we know, there are a bunch of people on his staff now um, that have coronavirus that were at the debate. So I guess they're, despite all the public health concerns, they're pushing ahead with the in-person events. They'll be in Salt Lake City on Wednesday. Um, Oh, wow. I mean, I think it's important for people to see it, again, for those undecided voters and, quite mm -hmm. frankly, everybody in America. I think we need to see these people that have a lot of power, as we've come to learn um, and understand in these past, you know, years. I think it's important to see them on a debate stage and, and talking about the real issues. So I hope that they kind of take a note from what happened in the first debate and uh, just talk like just real politics and don't get as dirty as we saw. That's what week. I, that's what I'm really hoping for. And, you know, I think I'm, I'm assuming that those two have a very different style than the other, than the other two. So I think we'll see, I think we'll see a little bit more policy. I think it'll be less um, TV drama and more policy, but I think that's what America needs right now. And I think America needs to see that the vice president's, have a good head on their shoulders totally totally because that only you know instills confidence in their presidential pick so right for sure for sure because if a vice president becomes if you know if kamala becomes vice president or if pence maintains his job as vice president you know they're one heartbeat away as they say from being the most powerful man or woman in the world so speaking of that i've had a bunch of people asking me about who becomes president if Trump dies from the Rona and as you know we know it's pretty unlikely that that will happen but just in case here we go yeah this is good I wanted let's do a story about secession yes so first off let's say Trump goes on a ventilator or something he could notify Congress under the 25th amendment and then the vice president Pence obviously would become the acting president and that arrangement continues until the president sends another notice saying that he can do his job okay so the which is what Bush did in right yeah so Bush and I think someone else for like colonoscopies they do this. right right so if Trump were to like die before the election again unlikely but here we are the national committee of the GOP would choose a new candidate if he dies after Election Day, but before the Electoral College meets to vote, like in mid-December, then the National Party chooses a replacement, and the electors have to vote for that new person. Got it. So if he were to die or resign, or Biden for that matter, after the electoral votes have been counted, but before Inauguration Day in January, the, amend the 20th Amendment says the VP becomes president. So... I don't know if we care about this, but the Presidential Succession Act kicks in after that. Like, should both Trump and Pence die or become incapacitated? The first in line to serve as the acting president is House Speaker, who is Nancy Pelosi, a Democrat. And then the second person after, like, the person after her is the president pro tem of the Senate, Chuck Grassley of Iowa. Interestingly, mm. that's literally never happened before. And it could technically be challenged because it's just a law, you know what I mean, and not in the Constitution. So, and someone like Secretary of State, like Mike Pompeo, could show up, and he is the second in command on the executive branch side, so he could just, like, roll up and be like, no, I'm challenging this. I'm in charge now. And then there would be a whole kerfuffle, and we'd have to basically, I don't know, duke it out, I guess. 
Oh, God, please don't say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There will uh, be probably no duking, but... <laughs> I hope not. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, here's the deal. It's 2020. Crazier things have happened. I, I, I would... I am ready for anything at this point. So. I mean, I saw a tweet today, and this really kind of sums up my feelings of trepidation, but it was just like... Who who's excited to see what the season finale of 2020 has in store for us? Oh my god! And literally, I was please like, don't do it. Please, why would you even tweet that, sir? But also accurate. <laughs> like, oh. What plot twists are ahead? I feel like we've had so many. It's been like the craziest season of life ever. Right, right. The passions writers have been in charge of this. Yeah, literally. <laughs> oh. Oh gosh. Anyways, all right. So moving right along. Twitter has banned death threats against Trump, but like technically everyone this week, which is interesting because I'm pretty sure like, I don't know, every woman on Twitter has gotten a death threat before. Right. Have you gotten any death threats? I mean, not usually like death threats, just like very angry threats. Midwestern mom threats? Yeah. Or like sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's sort of like Proud Boy-esque men, but Mm. you know interestingly sometimes people will tweet at me personally about stories i posted on the today show twitter account and they'll be like why are you covering this garbage like don't you know there's a blah 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 going on i'm like obviously i know that like hello anyway but i mean usually not death threats just like threats but anyhow Mm. the people love a good threat love a good threat the people who have taken the people who have really questioned this are the squad. If you remember the Democratic representatives, AOC, Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, Alan Omar of Minnesota, Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts. Um, their main qualm was the same thing. Like they've been getting death threats for years and Twitter has done nothing to stop it. What are your thoughts? I mean, I know we're all kind of playing in Twitter's play box, sandbox, if you will. So like, they're allowed to do anything. It's not like your right to free speech has to be protected there because it's their platform. But like, what do you think? Do you think Twitter should do this or no? Oh my God, totally. Here's the deal. These social media networks, I don't, have I talked about social, have I talked about social dilemma on the pod yet? The documentary? I don't yeah. think so. Well, let's okay, talk about it's, it. Well, it's literally insane and you have to watch it. And it's, it's really eye-opening and enlightening and teaches you kind of like, you know, this mess that social media essentially has created. And it's 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 honestly feels like it's the reason for the main divide. So if you haven't seen it on Netflix, I would suggest watching it. I would um, second that. It's really good. It's so well done. Um, but anyways, so... I think that, yeah, these social media networks and these platforms have to start giving some parameters. Are you kidding me? Up until, what, today you could write death threats on Twitter just because of free speech? You're kidding, right? I mean, here's the thing. Like, they have to regulate that in some way. I know it's probably a little bit more work on their end, but to be frank, they're making so much and they have so many people working for them. Put some interns on it, you know, make sure, hey, you're the death, you're the death uh, threat squad for the day. Can you look out and make sure none of those are happening on Twitter today? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they have the resources and the means to do it, especially with the algorithms and everything that there's no excuse for just to let things happen and say, oh, well, because of free speech, we don't want to like limit people. It's like, no, you just don't want to have to like do extra work and make extra you know, things happen on your platform and and seem like you're trying to control some sort of narrative or whatever. But no, just you can't let death threats happen. What? I think that that I'm really shocked that that was even still a thing you could do. I know we're at the end of 2020 now and we're like, 
just now banning death threats? Okay. Yeah, geez, Louise. Anyways, speaking of Twitter, um, gay men are if you gay men are taking over the Proud Boys hashtag. For those of I you love that not love aware this. of what the Proud Boys are, like the earlier this week, you know, Donald Trump didn't denounce white supremacists during the first presidential debate. Blah blah blah. TLDR: The Proud Boys are basically an alt right white nationalist group. Anyways, their hashtag is like hashtag Proud Boys or hashtag the Proud Boys. And so naturally, gay men are just like taking over their hashtag, sharing pictures of their family and their kids (laughs) and their loved ones being like hashtag Proud Boys. I love it. I know. I do, too. I did see some of the Proud Boys responded and were like, we're not anti-gay marriage. Like, we don't care. But also, that's fine. I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I love when, like, K-pop stands. What did they take over earlier in this oh, year? They. Yes. I love when people just take over hashtags and just make it fun. Yes. I um, I think it's funny. I yeah. enjoy I love a positive troll is what I'm getting at. Right, right. Should we just, Anybody. like, play the Rick Rolling music right now? <laughs> obsessed i love it anyways okay let's talk let's move on because politics have like really i think i've aged about 15 years this year this by this year i mean this week but also this year i've aged like 45 years but let's talk about something a little bit more upbeat but apropos to everyone's lives right now yeah yeah so this is like not a not very fun uh story but is interesting, and I think it's something we should maybe talk about. Um, so face masks, we're all doing it. If you're cool, you're wearing a face mask. One thing that comes along with being a very good citizen, in my opinion, is actually, though, getting mask knee. Um, yeah, have you had any of this mask knee? Yeah. This acne that comes from wearing a mask? I have, Little pimples yeah. right around really wearing them. So cute, so charming. Yeah, so in an article, <laughs> you know, 2020. Um, living our best lives. Mm-hmm. An article in the New York Times broke it down and said that mask knee is, in fact, a real thing. Um, and basically the way you can try to avoid it is basically switching out your mask as, as much as possible. This is like pretty self-explanatory stuff, but I think it's interesting. Washing your mask as much as you can. Um, considering the type your type of mask you're wearing. So, you know, you have to kind of decide like what you're comfortable with, obviously. They're saying stuff that you can wash frequently is probably the best. So not wearing those, like, reusable masks that you can't wash. Oh, well, this thing I think is interesting, Sam. Um, They say wear less makeup. So break up with your makeup. Are you – this is a question because I, at work, I take off my mask, like, to eat food. And people can see me probably, like, from a 10-foot distance. (laughs) And so I still put a little bit of makeup on just to, like, feel like if I ever have to take my mask off, you know, I, like, have, like, something on my face. Um, I'm certainly wearing less, but I'm still wearing a little bit of makeup. Are you wearing makeup at all under these masks? You don't really wear makeup as much anyways, right? I'm not, a huge makeup person. I do usually wear makeup to work, but obviously I'm a work-from-home kind of gal now. Yeah. Um, So I haven't (laughs) really been wearing it. Um... I did go – I occasionally will put on – I've had, like, a ton of mask knee, as we've discussed. Um, and so, like, I do – I do occasionally put on, like, a little bit of cover-up or, like, a salicylic acid BB cream type situation mm-hmm. um, just to sort of, like, tone down some of the redness. Yeah. Um, but for – but honestly, it's, like, kind of gross because then if you take your mask off, like, say you sit down with, like, your – 
like in my case, like my roommate and I might go out to like grab a coffee or a drink or something in an outdoor setting and take off the mask to drink it. And then you like set it down. It's all brown and disgusting. Mm. So I don't like love that. <laughs> yeah, it's not a cute look to yeah. see makeup on a mask. Exactly. I and I, you know, I've, I actually purchased some OxyClean today to like make sure I'm getting my masks really clean when I'm washing them. But it was just kind of like. Ugh, I don't think it's worth it. I've just been doing like mascara because you can see my eyeballs usually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's <laughs> funny is I put a lot more effort into what I look like um, from my nose up. So I <laughs> have been getting eyelash extensions and also I made oh an appointment God. to get eyelash microbladed. Who are you? I know. What? Well, I have eyelash extensions, but then I also I'm getting microbladed. I'm getting my eye- eyeliner or not eyeliner, my Brows. eyebrows tattooed, which I'm really excited about. Report just back because to me on the microblading. I was just talking about this with my other friend today, and he was like, I feel also Asian. He was like, I feel like that's an old lady Asian thing to do. And I was like, no, but microblading is trendy with the youth. Like, I want to do Very trendy. It. Yeah, so it's very trendy. Please but if report it, if back. You, I'm interested. I'm really excited, but if they mess it up, like, it's permanent tattoo on my eye. So it is a high-risk situation. <laughs> well, it goes away eventually, right? Doesn't it kind of fade? As yeah, it does. Like, in a year or two, I think. Yeah. So, so, yeah, whatever. We'll that see. is a high-risk situation. Well, yeah. tell me how it goes. I'm very interested. I miss having eyelash extensions, but I just can't justify it right now. I get it. <sighs> you have to see people in person, though, so that's a real that's a real difference. That's the deciding right. factor. And I'm also waking up at 3 a.m. every day, so I do not have time to put mascara oh, on no. my eyes. <laughs> Truly F that. Um, no, it's okay. We all have our things. I just bought a KitchenAid stand mixer, you know, because I wanted one. <laughs> I love that. That is a kind of a funny story is the unnecessary things we've been buying. Yeah, super unnecessary, but I finally just did it. I was like, you know what? I don't even care. I'm going to put this on a credit card and that's a problem for future Sam. <laughs> YOLO. I also <laughs> bought, um, have you ever done Normatec, um leg compression? No. What is that? It's like airbags that you put on your legs. It's like you do it post-op out of surgery it's like a recovery thing and i bought them um on amazon for like 100 bucks because i'm a psycho and wanted better circulation in my legs actually yes it is amazing you have to come over and try it it's literally incredible and maybe the best purchase of 2020 i'm very excited i'm very interested yeah i would love to try Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Love unnecessary purchases. Like, yes. is there anything else that you've purchased that's been unnecessary during these times? Oh, so many things. I mean, when I had little Frankie living with me, the dog that I have given to my parents at this point. Are you but never will getting be back. Frankie back? No, I will. I will get Frankie back, but I just can't right now with my hours at work. But I will get him back. But when I had him, before he owned a leash or a collar, I bought him sunglasses and sure. bandanas. That seems reasonable. Um, yeah, and that was like when I was fully unemployed, so that was like the last dollar I had. I was like, yeah, 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 of course, I'll buy him sunglasses. Duh. Um, yeah, so, you know, quarantine makes you do crazy things, I think. It does, yeah. I have like 12 new pairs of shoes, and I don't go anywhere. Why do I have shoes? 12 is <laughs> pretty excessive, but I do have a bunch of shoes, though. I have like several flip-flops. Like, what was I, I thinking? God damn it, Sam. Anyway. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about this. Have you watched Emily in Paris yet? No. What is it? Okay. I don't even know if I know it. Oh, my God. What? Okay. So it came out on Netflix. The uh-huh. creator of Sex in the City, he, back with a brand new rap, Emily in Paris. Yes. It's basically like when Carrie went to Paris the whole time. But Emily is younger and kind of like, mm, I'm going to go ahead and say more annoying than Carrie. <laughs> And, like, the whole plot, I've only watched the first episode, but I, I'm i going to keep watching do, for obvious 
brain numbing reasons, but yeah. I wanted to give my earliest feedback. Okay. And I've seen this like all over the internet, so it's not just me that's feeling this. It's kind of a little bit like self-flagellation. You're like, oh, I can't go to Paris. I can't have nice things. I can't talk and flirt with people. Like, oh, it's so sad. So this American girl moves to Paris for a job. This all happens in like the first 30 seconds of the first episode. It's not a spoiler. I won't spoil anything. She moves to Paris. Like every man in Paris is like in love with this beautiful American girl who P.S. speaks no French at all. Oh, and like her office is mean and also lazy because French people and like that's how creative we are. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and it's kind of like very pro-American, which is also like a little awkward because you're like, OK, but like she moved to Paris for a job in a French office and knows like no French. That's kind of bogus. Like, she shouldn't yeah. even try to learn any before she gets there. And then she's like offended that everyone doesn't understand her. <laughs> like, hello. Oh, my God. Anyways, so, like, the whole plot is written. And they all, like, mock her for her clothing. But, like, if you look at her clothing, and they call her, like, a hick. But, like, if you look at her clothing, it's, like, very expensive shit. (laughs) I'm sorry. Who made this show? But also Paris. So I'm going to keep watching for obvious reasons. And if you watch it, I want anyone who's listening to tell me your vibes. Because I'm curious to know. I'm going to continue watching. I'll report back next week with my findings. So Chrissy Teigen, we just really wanted to briefly offer our condolences. Sweet Chrissy Teigen, um, who we love. She and John Legend lost their baby this week, their third child that they had been calling Jack. Um, And she posted a really beautiful photo series in black and white on her Instagram about losing him. Um, And, you know, we just wanted to talk about for a minute because we think it's really important to raise visibility of... um, miscarriage and child loss pregnancy loss um and so yeah that happened this week yeah and i think there was some backlash online which i did not understand what was that about um a lot of the people who were offended by her pictures were people who um thought that she was doing it for attention that she was posting this really private thing on social media. But I, first of all, personally, supremely disagree with that interpretation. I think people grieve in different ways. And Chrissy Teigen has always been really open about her life on social media. Um, And she had been taking fans along with this journey in her pregnancy. We think she was about halfway um, through her pregnancy when it happened and she'd been taking her fans along for the ride the whole time, essentially after announcing it. So, um, I think that she shared this moment with her fans and with America to sort of help herself, like bring closure to it, to give her fans answers. And also, I mean, I don't know if she intended to do this, but it, I've read a lot of think pieces this week as I was reading about the backlash from women who said that they really appreciated her bringing that visibility and awareness to miscarriage and pregnancy loss. Totally. Well, and it happens so often. And, mm-hmm. and I, this is something like I don't really know much about yet, um, just because I haven't gotten close to that time where I would need to know those things. But um, apparently, you know, it's, it's, it happens way more than people talk about. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes women are embarrassed to talk about it. It feels like a failure on their end or, you know, something that they did wrong. But it's just something that unfortunately happens. And it's devastating, especially, 
you know, being so excited for something and, and a, it's a life. It's, if, if it's your first one, it's, it's, it's all just so horrible. And, right. and I think it was really honorable and like, I hate to say heroic, but it kind of was. It that was she, really brave. That it was she really was brave that she, yeah. And she shared it and she kind of brought a little bit of, um, you know, it brought a discussion to the table, which I think is important for people to know that they're not alone in, in those things. So for sure, I thought it was cool that she did that. Me too. And I, I did read an interesting note from a mom um, who had experienced pregnancy loss. And she said that, or stillbirth, I can't remember which one. And she said that they do offer photo services for people who have experienced a stillbirth or something to that effect. And the reason for that is because while the pictures might be incredibly painful to look at initially, and um, this mom herself said she accepted the photos, but then put them away for like a year and couldn't Uh look at them. But then when you look back a year later, they're the only photographs you have of that child. So it's a way of memorializing them and you can hold them close to your heart. You know what I mean? And so I think a lot of people were criticizing her without knowing that she didn't stage those photographs. She didn't even take them. Probably her assistant posted them. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, totally. Those pictures were taken for her so that she has something to remember the life of her third child with. And I think that that's really important that people know that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, do you have All right, anything just... more upbeat to end with? Good God. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Tax you know returns, is... Trump's <laughs> <laughs> succession. <laughs> oh, my Christy God. Teigen, poor Chrissy Teigen, uh... and friggin' Emily in Paris. Yeah, let me rack my brain. I did go on a camping trip this week, and I highly suggest it if anybody oh, wants go? to get yes. out. Um, I went to, we just went to, um, we got a campground in Malibu that was open, like, last minute. We were going to go to Santa Barbara, but we went to just Malibu, which was pretty close for us. Um, but it was really nice, and I went with people who I'm working with, so I'm testing, we're testing almost every day, and we're quarantined essentially together in a bubble, so I felt comfortable being with them. But, I mean, camping is one of those things where you can go with people mm-hmm. and kind of be outside the whole time. You can be in your own tent. You can. There's no reason to be inside sharing the same air. So it's kind of one of those things that, to me, seems, like, safer. So I had a lot of fun doing that. I would suggest it if anybody wants a adventure. That's awesome. That sounds so fun. Yeah, it was really fun, except I will say, like, I had no idea what to pack, and I'm, we're, I'm lucky we went with guys that knew what they were doing because I would have been sleeping on the cold, hard ground. If you wouldn't, wouldn't have brought a tent? <laughs> I would. I, you know, I just, like, don't know how to camp. And they brought, like, things that I was like, oh, God, I never would have thought of that. So, thank goodness you're here. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> I don't camp, Sam. You are smart at those things. I am not. You smart me not. You smart things. me not. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, everyone stay tuned next week for when I tell you how my KitchenAid stand mixer is going. Yep. <laughs> and Check in for updates. Whatever other horrible plot twist 2020 has in store for us. Oh my god, please calm down. That's all I need. <laughs> We're approaching the season finale. I'm just saying. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to chat with you guys. And we appreciate you guys always like popping in the comments or, or being leaving comments on the iTunes, which if you want to do that, that would be super chill. Um, yeah, five star reviews only though. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, But thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. If you want to follow us on the pod's uh, Insta, it's at Well-Informed Girlfriends. And if you want to follow us on our personals, I'm at TDP. And I'm at Samantha Kubota. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one.